if somebody could pay me to sit in a room, like just pay me like, um, I don't know, a million bucks a year. That's all I'd need. Just pay me and listen and like have me talk about like cannabis. I could tell them everything, but it would take, it would take a full year. Well, unfortunately we only have an hour. <laughs> Hello and welcome to here in LA, Topanga Canyon edition. Today we talk with chef Holden Jagger. Holden is a native Angelino, a farmer, and a chef. If you've dined at Soho House or Kraft or Maud, you may have delighted in his pastries. And if you were extremely lucky and your pals hosted a swanky night at their mansion, you may have been treated to some of Chef Jagger's personalized pairings of the good stuff with a delicious meal. Today he's going to tell us all about that, plus what life is like in Topanga. Keep your ears open to his tale about his goats. After this interview, he showed me his goat pen and shared with me a story about how he brought back to life one of the goats using mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Sadly, he did not tell me this great story while the tapes were rolling, but that's a primo example of how self-sufficient he is and how much he truly loves all the living things under his purview. So let's welcome Chef Holden Jagger. Hey everybody, I am here in Topanga Canyon with Chef Holden Jagger. Hello. That is such a rock star name. Uh, it is my first and middle name. Uh, I have a last name, but um, when I was uh, starting off in the cannabis industry, um, my dad requested that I change it. Mm. <laughs> so... It's fine, um, but my last name is Burkons, okay. Holden Burkons, and um, yeah, it's not. It's shout out, Dad. Is he going to listen to this podcast? Maybe. Okay. Probably. He listens to everything I do. Holden Jagger, though. I. I mean, no disrespect I, to the family I mean, name. Okay. Here's a here's an anecdote. I uh, I did an episode of Beat Bobby Flay. I I did not get past the first round. Um, I I went up against an amazing pastry chef, so like I wasn't you know too upset by it. Yeah. Um, I've cooked at the James Beard house. She's won James Beard awards. So there's a little bit of a difference between those two things. Bobby Flay in my intro in, in the spiel, he said, man, I wish I had that name. And Bobby Flay's name is Bobby Flay. And he's a cook. And like, there's the, I don't know. I mean, he's got a pretty snappy name for a celebrity chef. So I, yeah. I guess I took that a little bit as a compliment. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You should. Um, Holden Jagger. Yeah. I mean, is, is Holden after catcher in the yes, rye? Yes, it is. Um, are I'm, you a Salinger fan? I am not a. I'm not a. I wouldn't. I, I like Salinger. I don't like that book. Let's let's rewind a little bit. Sure. You grew up where? Uh, Victory and Sepulveda. Oh, I, in the Valley. I would say that's the exact center of the Valley. It's 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 like the heart. Is that uh, Van Nuys? It is. It's Van Nuys. Look at me. Yeah. Look at that. It's very. When my parents moved to Los Angeles uh, from Arizona, they thought Sepulveda was pronounced Sepula Vida. Which I'm sure a lot of people get. Wrong. I mean, I I think yeah. I mean, there's got to be a lot of strange pronunciations of of the words that you know, yeah. La Cienega, like La right. Cienega. I've heard. Um, there's yeah. there's a lot of. Uh, I, I I was a uh, I, I Uber in the day. Mm-hmm. I, somebody wanted me to take them to Wilshire yesterday. <laughs> I I like Wilshire. It's like Worcestershire <laughs> sauce. Okay, so you grew up in the Val. What uh, high school? I went to Harvard Westlake. 
So your parents had some bucks. Uh, my grandparents had some bucks, and they made sure that I went to a good school. I mean, look, I mean, you had to get in, right? Um, my I sister, don't know. My, sister's, my sister was a better student than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say she's smarter than me, but um, <laughs> she's my business partner, so I shouldn't. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> maybe cut that out. Uh, no. Um, well, you don't want a dummy as your business partner. No, I guess that's. she's a very good writer. She's, she's good at all the things I'm not. Was Harvard Westlake... Your kind of high school. Well, they tried to kick me out for four out of the six years I went there. So, like, yeah, totally. Um, what no, year, what, I. What years I, were these? Hmm? What years was this? Ninety. What? Ninety-six to two thousand two. Ninety-six. Okay. At, at why? Why is it six years? Do you start? You start middle school. Okay. So yeah, and there's two campuses, right? And like, look, I mean, like, I, I grew up in the valley in, in Van Nuys. Um, there were prostitutes on my street. Really? My, my neighbors and I used to skate around the street and look for condoms and count it. It's the strangest fucking thing I could possibly imagine. Like, I was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> like, called it condom patrol. My mom, like, yelled at hookers when she was dropping me off at my Jewish elementary school. Like, it was like, you know, it was, I came from a different part of Los Angeles than a lot of these people. Um, so, you know, so off the bat, didn't, was it, yeah. First year was, seventh grade was like, it was rough, you know, like they were like, he is not the one. And um, I was a really good swimmer, uh, water polo player, and I played for Harvard Westlake Club. My, my dad angled this thing. I mean, I'm a parent. I, I would do the same thing for my kids if that's um, the pursuit that I wanted to, uh, you know, go with mm-hmm. them. Um, but no, it was not my kind of school. I did not... Uh, wouldn't say I didn't excel there because I did in certain facets and ways and and um, but yeah I mean I was an ADHD riddled like like mess just just it was oh. it was rough. Uh, <laughs> the, the the thing that I hear about a lot of uh, native Angelinos in the valley, especially, yeah. is if they're diagnosed like this, they're they're given Adderall like it's candy. Yeah, my dad did not do that because um, he had a history of, of drugs in his life when he was younger, um, and he knew what dexedrine was and, and was like, whoa. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I found uh, cannabis later when I was in high school, and I guess they call that self-medicating now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe it, I mean, I know it is self-medicating. I, I, I've learned way too much about how the brain works in the last few years um, to know what I was doing and what I continue to do is not, you know, something similar. I see a lot of ADHD stuff in my children, but we um, keep them busy with the things that they like. And my parents did the same thing, you know, it's, it's, but it, it's hard. Let's talk about weed then. Okay. Since you brought it up. All right. Twist my arm. <laughs> I got high on my, uh, my 15th birthday. It was very planned out because I'd said no to smoking weed many times. Um, my friends probably had all gotten high um, in ninth grade. I waited about a year. Um, I had a lot of influence from my father. Um, I dare worked on me for a little while. It did? No. Oh. <laughs> did, did you have the T-shirt? I wish I did. I probably would have, like, you know, like... <laughs> gave it to some college girlfriend or something stupid like that Mm -hmm. by this point.
you worked at Maud? Yes. Which is in Beverly Hills, right? Yeah, it's on, I think it's on Beverly. On Beverly. I, I opened it. I helped open it. Um, it's like Beverly and Wilshire, right? It was super intense. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was super intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife was pregnant with my son. Um, and I, I, I went, you know, it was part of, the cracks were starting to show. Like, I'd cooked for like a decade with like one vacation and like mm. lots of responsibility. I, people assumed I was in my like late thirties and my late twenties because of the positions that I held, because I, I dedicated myself to my craft so much. And I really like, you know, put my head down and just cooked for a long time. Um, but at the same time, like mod was like a, a level above. It was 16 hour days, 15 hour days. Really? You clean, you cook all for like 50, 60 people. And it was, and it was like really small there. They had, they, they'd like, they've expanded since then you do dessert upstairs. And like, I was producing pastry, bread, um, products. Um, I was like the bread pastry person and, uh, on a, on a freezer, like 30 inches wide. That Mm. was like my workstation. And it had to be like, you know, like I had to be multitasking all in this like tiny little space. It was like working in the hull of a submarine. Maud had, I don't want to call it a gimmick. But it had... When we started, it was one ingredient for a whole month. There you go. And so that's like super fine dining. Mm-hmm. You know, before that, I'd worked at a restaurant called The Muddy Leak, which was with a, a friend of mine who lived in Topanga, this guy, Whitney Flood. He lives on the, the East Coast now. Um, and that was... Um, I did the sourdough bread program there, pastries, everything like that. And then, like, I was, you know... I. My, my, I have a, I have a savory background and I have a, um, heavy pastry background. So like I was able to always combine those two. A lot of pastry chefs kind of like live in one world or the other. Um, but my mentor at, at craft, he's the pastry chef at, uh, Wolf, Mother, Mother Wolf, what, uh, um, Evan Funky's restaurant. Yeah. Uh, his name is Shannon Swindle. Mother Wolf. Mother Wolf. And, um. Which is in Hollywood. Yes. One of the hardest uh, reservations to get right now. Yeah, you want, you want to hook up? He probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> no, he, he actually I, loves me. He texted us. Uh, he texted all his old like sous chefs this uh, last night. I'm sure he had a Negroni or something like that. Let, awesome. let's, let's go back to Maude real quick. Sure. When you say one ingredient a month, yep. what were the ingredients um, that we're talking? So we did, oh God, it's like, we did artichoke. We did citrus. We said citrus for like, 12, 14 weeks or something like that. I, you know, like the, the working at, working at craft, I could come in on a Saturday and change the whole menu. It was like, it's like ADHD chef's dream. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do any of this anymore. You know, like let's start all over. And like, and, and they were cool with that. Yeah. They were cool that me and my chef would do that. Like, and, and, and just the two of us. And it was just like this grind. So when you say citrus, mm-hmm. there's a lot of citruses. Yep. So can you cheat a little bit and have, um, Cantaloupe and oranges and I lemons. Mean, there, there was you know. So citrus was the star of each dish. That doesn't mean that there's oh. it's not lobster or this and that. It's like a citrus beurre blanc or something like that. But like you are making the same dish over and over and over and over and over again every night. And that was not. And that's fine dining. You know, that is like that level of perfection and repetition. Like that is something that appeals to a certain type of chef, and it wasn't me. Did Maude spin off to a second type of uh, Um He has, I mean, it's Curtis Stone. He's, you know, I mean, Curtis is a beast. He is, he is an honest to God. I've never been so impressed watching somebody go because he was doing like the chew at that point. And like, you know, the celebrity chef life, I mean, an, an actor of a certain caliber, they don't have an easy 
time, man. They're getting like shuttled around place to place, shoved in the TV. Like mm-hmm. I've done a limited amount of like highly produced television and it's like, it's pretty grueling, you know, like mm-hmm. if you do that and you're opening this like incredibly intensely fine dining restaurant and you have like, you know, a restaurant or a, a, a grocery store type empire in uh, Australia and you're, oh, you know, really? a judge on, on top chefs and like all this stuff, like that's in, you're not getting a lot of sleep. I don't know anything about that world. Yeah. I, I like Jack in the Box uh, when I'm not eating at McDonald's. Yeah. So the, the McRib is back. Yeah. Very happy. Uh, how much, if I would have taken a date to Maud when you were working there? Oh, it was a steal back then. Oh. It was like $75 a ticket. And this is in Beverly Hills. That's, that's it? I, 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 you know, you'd buy the wine pairing for like another 75 or 80 or something like that. You'd pay okay. 150 bucks a ticket, but you're having like a transcendent. And like, I look like a star. Yeah. I mean, there's a chef's counter. You're sitting there like and watching these like, you know, I mean, fine dining chefs are always attractive somehow. I don't know what it is. Like... <laughs> Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's exhibition kitchen sort of stuff. Mm. And like, you know, you're doing this work that's very, um, why was it so cheap? I don't know what was going on at that moment. I think mm. it was really just about opening it, getting people being packed every night, making the, the cook seasoned. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the kind of places that win awards and they, they win awards in like the old Michelin kind of in a way, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, um, there's, there's a certain caliber, there's a certain level LA has a lot of Michelin restaurants right now. I mean, they, they came through and gave gave people a lot of different um, accolades and awards, and it's for different reasons. Because the dining experience, when you can eat outdoors 365 days a year, like honestly, like come on, like maybe take off like four or five for rain. Truly, <laughs> you are infusing your love of marijuana with your love of cooking. And when I was in college, uh, and we made weed spaghetti. It tasted like shit. But we had things like things that weren't necessarily in the library <laughs> that would make their way to us. And it was like, this is how you make the butter. This is uh, how you make yes, the oil. A Child's Garden of Grass. That was one of those books. I mean, I have all these books. I mean, for obviously for, for the reason of, you know, collecting them now. Um, Are they funny to you now? No, they- I mean, honestly, they cracked the code years ago. Oh, so they they were right. Look, what's the point of eating weed food? It's not for it to be delicious. It's for it to get you high. That use, that's, that, that's, that's the purpose, right? Right. Right. That's why you're eating it. There's food out there. You're putting weed in it. And it's fun. Yes. We're going to eat spaghetti anyways. Yes. We're going to, sure. I mean, there's, look, I mean, I think a pop brownie, even with like really kind of like nutty decarb, decarby weed can taste kind of good. You got this herbaceousness with this chocolate, even on a Betty, Betty Crocker mix. Like there's some flavor there. However, yes. Um, the the pursuit that I went through was for you to probably not taste it. Um, or that was your goal. That was my goal. If I was doing infused food, but what I'm at, what I would say differentiates me from other cannabis chefs that are out there is uh, that I am passionate about cannabis flower. I'm passionate about the flavors, the sensations, the taste of cannabis. That is why I consume it when I'm when I want to consume cannabis it's not necessarily to like get um get high it really is is about I mean a flavor driven experience um that pursuit personally has opened up a world of flavor in food that wasn't um available to me before really like cannabis has made things known about the way that food Smells, tastes, it has, it has expanded a scientific pursuit of flavor 
like no other product. And it's done so in like a decade. Um, breaking this stuff open and learning that all these flavor components are drip. Like it's something that a really smart, well-educated scientist would have known 20 years ago, but nobody was studying it. And well, you weren't allowed to. Well, you weren't allowed to. I mean, you're still not really allowed to. But, the, you know, like, honestly, the amount, of, the amount of true scientific work that's done in this country about cannabis is minimal. Right. Because of federal laws. Um, so when you say flavors, do you mean terpenes also? I mean terps, man. Mm-hmm. Yes. I am, a, I am somebody that really builds a hospitality experience around the taste and flavor of cannabis. Um, you, don't even, you don't even have to smoke it to have this experience. You don't even have to get high to, to, to participate in, in um, some of these dinners that we've done. So, so are there some strains that have low THC but incredible taste? Yeah, flavor? I mean, there's, there's, for every like cannabis flavor out there, it exists in hemp with minimal to no THC. Huh. Um, some of the more interesting flavor compounds that we are going to see come out in um, high THC cannabis is is being hunted in the hemp fields um, that, that we are allowed to now grow because those plants have different um, chemical makeups and they present different um, forms of flavors that, and you know, like you might have something that, that truly like tastes like a burger. I mean, they have that now, but like, yeah, I mean, they're looking, they're looking at like bringing in um, different, phytochemicals, which are the, the, these chemicals that are created by the plant. Um, you know what that would be great for is this fake meat, <laughs> which I, I, I mean, because I eat garbage. I mean, I, I like, I like you'd impossible be, and you'd beyond. be, you'd, you'd be really impressed <laughs> the path that some like nerdy cannabis, um, scientists has taken to working with some of the major, uh, food and alcohol companies. Uh, really? Without a doubt. All those all those Golden Road uh, beers that taste like a mango and this and that, those are all based off of the things we've learned from trying to deal with cannabis as a flavoring and, and mask the cannabis flavor or because they wanted to find a way to put cannabis into uh, a liquid. Um, all of that is all of that flavor work that's been done is really being driven by these terpene people that, you know, is coming out of the vape world. Oh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's like even even nicotine vaping has has done a lot for uh, flavor science and things like that, hmm. because um, we never really looked at organic compounds. Of, and like for some weird thing, it's always been like, let's make something out of the blue. Let's make a flavoring oil, you know, and use very strange chemicals to do it rather than like be like, what is a raspberry? What does a raspberry like? What are the flavonoids? But the real issue is that they're really volatile, right? These are chemicals that are like really hard to maintain um, all the way through so that it's a good experience. Mm. So back to the experience of um, a dinner with me, 2016. Okay. Cause this was probably 2016, 17 and 18 were the major years that I did this. Um, and I was, uh, I, I got a, uh, medical license with, with the, uh, with the state a lawyer and everything, uh, so that I could produce a garden here in Southern California, um, in Topanga. And I grew, uh, the plants for the dinners. So I was selecting the flavors that were going into, uh, the experience around, um, the meal. 
Was it hard to get this license? No, I mean, it was like 10,000 bucks and the lawyer and, you know. That's it. Back then, it was like, yeah, you had to like have, you know, it was, there was way, there was no checks. It was kind of, it was the Wild West. Like, it's, it's harder now. The Green Rush is super over, yeah. I mean, like the, the whole idea of making a bunch of money in, in cannabis is, is like, it's almost laughable. There's always another state, um, but the, the big businesses are here and they, they are the major players now. But, but I don't, I don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't sound like you were trying to do this to, to be a gazillionaire. No, no, no. This was actually very poor. This is part of your creativity. Yeah. This was an expression. I mean, I was getting, you know, my, it was honestly a pathway to selling the dinner, um, rather than selling the weed. I was getting $500 a head, uh, at Ooh. the peak there. It went down to about 350 later in, in 2017 and 18, but like. 2016, people were paying $500 a head to have a, a meal, yeah. five to six courses, my cannabis, um, a wine pairing added on perhaps. Um, and I mean, like, I was getting old rich people high in the Palisades <laughs> and Bel Air, and it was it was hilarious. <laughs> there were some times where I'm like, they would like throw on the, the 60s music and start reliving their glory days, and I'm like... But, I mean, but... That's who I want to be later, <laughs> right? Who doesn't want this? Yeah. So you're you're at a nice big house. They're eating outside, maybe. Yeah. There's oh, Christmas I, I cook, I've out. cooked in like the uh, some of the coolest houses you could imagine. Mm -hmm. Like these, just like phenomenal, you know, for forty million dollar places and right. stuff like that. Some of the parties I've done throughout the cannabis industry, they rent out these houses and they're like, you know. It's 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 just wild, like the views of of downtown and stuff like that. Do you ask them not to smoke weed before dinner, so um, they can really appreciate what you? Very done? rarely were these like super heavy users for the most part. Yeah. Um. And you know, at a certain point, you smoke five or six different strains from um from anybody. It's it's going to be pretty inebriative. Right. You're not necessarily going to have like. Uh, an experience where you can be like, Oh, I know what this one is. That one is one. It's like, yeah, it was about the dish, the moment and that flavoring. Like I would do like palate cleansings and like all this stuff, really making sure that like, okay. So how I said before, you could not get high if you wanted to do this. Um, right. This is actually a very interesting, uh, part of like the, the way that we, exp you know, smell cannabis. Um, so the first thing is that, you, you, you have a, a, a joint in a test tube. You open the, the test tube. You, you smell the, the joint. That's like your first whiff, right? Um, then you take the joint and you put it in your mouth and you take what we call a dry pull or a terpene pull. And you just inhale through the joint so you get the, the flavor and aroma of the cannabis in your mouth and all over you know your palate. There were dishes that I would then um, add... Uh, I suggest that the, the, the guests eat the dish first and then smoke the joint, you know, but at that point, like you don't have to smoke the joint because if you don't want to get high, I mean, I had pregnant women like at the table, you know, but when you're sitting there and you smell cannabis in the air and you're not smoking it, it smells incredibly strong. And you're actually able to like have a, a different kind of experience than the person that's actually smoking it. And like, as somebody who who wasn't who was like tasting every component of the dish, building it, and then walking by the table as they're smoking it afterward, like doing my spiel and stuff, like that was that was actually really cool for me. Being like, oh my god, it all worked, 
And it and it and it's like it is something that isn't for everybody. Not everybody wants to smoke at a dinner. Right. And I get that. Um but for me the conversation is really about how the language of food is already applied to cannabis as a whole. And we have flavors like and strain names like ice cream cake and <laughs> gelato and, you know, grenadine and all of these things that like have um you know, a a touchstone in the food world that it's trying to either remind you of or it reminded the grower of. And that's one of the really, you know, amazing things about the cannabis plant is its ability to do this like scent mimicry mm-hmm. and like, you know, like driving it and, and guiding it in a certain way is done through cannabis breeding. And that um, pursuit of, you know, finding a new cut that tastes or smells a certain way is what, is more interesting about the you know cannabis industry as a whole currently than I would say the food and wine the the, the wine industry or the beer industry because every you know the plant's doing all this work and you get something different every time there's such a vast array of you know possibilities in front of the breeder that every time they get a new plant that smells a certain way that also can then lead to a different like chemical buildup and a different smell. Um, and as a chef and somebody who's like built their life around the, the way f- food smells like and tastes, like if you've ever walked through a garden with a chef, like it's a, you're going to have a different experience if they come across an, an area where the plants, you know, there's a lot more edible plants out there than, than, you know, are available to us in a grocery store. so forgiving yeah even when you take too much yeah and very few other things in uh, life are, are al- like alcohol is certainly not but right you can't this- so so i guess my question for your favorite strain okay. as a chef is let's pretend there is somebody out there who's listening who does want to make their their homemade thing and they do have from, okay so here's here's what i would suggest from an infusionary standpoint like if you want to infuse your own product at home um don't use flour. Uh, uh, flour. Yeah, because it's a wait, lot. Wait, flour. The the the. Yeah, don't use cannabis itself. Go go get like some distillate in like a dablicator, right? And that's that's a concentrated form. And what you can do with that is make um, basically a ratio of an infusion. Um, X amount of oil. It's basically what fits in like a a. a a one ml, I mean a, a thirty ml bottle. Okay, hold on. When you say distillate, I, yes. think, you, I think you blew people's minds. Okay, distillate. You mean like a tincture? Well, you're like gonna a make it. You're gonna make a tincture essentially. Because okay. like putting, like I mean, putting weed in food is how you end up with that like flavor that you were talking about earlier. The, the bad flavor. The bad flavor. The burnt flavor. The, yes. The the thing that it tastes you know, like weed. Yeah. And you're you know like that if if you can be a lot less precise and you need to be a lot better at algebra than most people are today. 
Like I, I, I discovered I was really good at math when I started doing this stuff. And I was, I was like, I was such a terrible math student. It was crazy. Like I was so bad. I, you know, like the amount of stuff I talk about, whether it's fraction go, and statistic based, like two grams. Oh, you know, I mean, selling weed definitely taught me the, like gave me a leg up when I started working in professional kitchens. Uh, oh, I, am I learning, knowing my way around a scale on a stage day one, like, boom, you got the job. Like they were like, look, did you see him weigh that stuff out, man? So good. Because you'd sold so much weed. I'd sold so much weed by that point. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a challenge. Did you already have your triple beam scale? Um, I had a triple beam scale. His dad took it from us. What is this? What do they use in the kitchens? Uh, big digital scales, okay. small digital scales. They break constantly. It's usually the, oh, do the they? Sa- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually the savory guys. They're, they're, they're real smart and they grab it by the, the, the actual like weighing mechanism and walk around with them. Um, I, I was the, uh, pastry chef at Soho house one, one time. Um, one time I was a pastry chef at Soho house in West Hollywood for two and a half years. That's how you say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, I tried to get my own scale. You, they, they, you know, I mean, there's, there's some buying power there. I complain yeah. enough. I send the right email. I could get something I wanted. Yeah. Um, I had very limited space there, so they gave me lots of resources. And um, I put a, uh, uh, I printed out a thing on my label maker, you know, because in pastry, so I was organized, and uh, which was mocked constantly uh, in that place. And, and I, I printed out pastry only. And it's a big scale. And I didn't want it moved around because... It sucks when you're in the middle of like production and you have to go find your stuff and they always break it. They're always dirty. They're, you know, all these dirty line cooks were putting fish on it and stuff. And yeah. I had, I had standards <laughs> for, <laughs> tried to there. Um, and, uh, I come back the next day and it says pastry only and it's scratched off and it says, whatever. Somebody wrote in blue tape, whatever pastry bitch. <laughs> did they know it was you that put that label on? I'm sure they did. <laughs> I think it was Matt Burskins. We're friends though, so it's all right. I guess Anti shout out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I go to I go to my weed store. Yeah. I ask for a, a tincture. Do I ask for a tincture? What do I ask for? Um so a distillate is what's in your weed pen. Oh. I mean, look, there's a lot of ways to skin it. It's a concentrate. Those, you know, are, those are the cartridges yeah, that you're talking about. Yeah. So do, do I break up, open my cartridge? Yeah, I mean, there's there's more. There's They have ones in like syringes and stuff. I mean, if this is like the pursuit, right? If you're going to be like, I'm going to spend some time. For, for Thanksgiving or Christmas, I want to make a family dinner. Look, there's a million there's a million ways to do it. I just don't recommend any of the other ways because it's like, you know, what is what's the point of an infusion? It's about precision, right? I, I mean, you want to do it old school, go old school. Like, let's have some fun. Like... I, I've done dinners for, for what I call hero dose dinners where they're just like, I don't care, dude. Like, I want to get, like, baked. And they're asleep by the end. They're asleep, like, right. in, in their chairs, on their, like, lying down. Yeah. And those are for some, like, super heavy users. Okay, but when, when you're cooking in the Palisades mm-hmm. at a $40 million house, yeah. using your own weed, mm-hmm. you have somehow broken it down from flour to oil. Oh, right? no, I mean, look, rarely was there an infusion, right? I, they were smoking joints. That was my, that was, that oh. was what I was selling. I hear you. And now. there were, look, there's, cause there was a point of difference because there were other guys out there. But in the cannabis space, like post to post me want, I just stopped wanting to go into people's houses. I didn't get leave restaurants to become a caterer. Like I just didn't. <laughs> like I, I looked, I looked around and I literally had like a catering company. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, like with my they, sister. I had a catering company <laughs> with my sister. And I'm like, this is like, this is like not what I expect. This is not what I wanted. 
Like at all. Like making a ton of cash. And yeah, still, it was it was it was good. Like But see, this is why I love Native Angelinos. Yeah. The forty million dollar house doesn't impress you. The money doesn't impress you. The fact that you're getting basically you're selling weed with the food, your two favorite things doesn't impress you. You wanted something better. You wanted something that was that was different. Not necessarily the most profitable thing, not the most flashy thing. You wanted something deeper. I want to normalize cannabis, dude. Like that's the goal. I'm an activist, you know? Like I I take a lot of responsibility for some of the misinformation around CBD and in mm-hmm. integration with food personally because I stood in parking lots of Erewhon and in you know like with the, the stand- grove yeah no the one down in venice and i did the one in like uh, across the kitty corner from the grove which that one is like mind-blowing dude. yeah there's like a 45 dollar juice in there um <laughs> mike carroll skateboarder pro skateboarder from girl skateboards came by uh-huh. and stanley brother was there and i was like boom 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 and like you know he was like i won't get you high and that, that was cool for me right if i run into a pro skateboarder um, I'm like super hyped, right? Like yeah. that's, that's for me as a, as a L- LA Valley kid. Like I am not, you're not getting high with Christian Hosoy though. No smoked a joint with, um, Alicia Silverstone. Ooh, that wait was, a second. That was cool. I will say that. I don't, um, what, approximately what year is this? 2017, 16. Recently. <laughs> love being called chef i like calling people chef more Mm. i i I imagine you've seen the bear no so in the bear the hulu series it's chef 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 everywhere it's what it's what we say and his his theory is it's a sign of respect when you say it to somebody else without a doubt and that's where you're coming i call all my all the cooks everybody's chef everybody's a chef um that's nice. Yeah, I mean, like you don't you don't hear. Look, that even if you work in a dish station, man, like you're the chef of that station, you're in charge. Like oh, when nice. you're working a station, you are in charge of the product that comes out of the, the that space for your guests. One, it instills a level of responsibility. Mm. Um, two, it shows a level of respect. And and if your chef is coming back with you with that, like you know that you're in it with them. Like the best chefs grind the line. They do. Mm-hmm. They inspire their cooks. Um, yeah, you know, guys that that love that love Expo, and guys that love the, the Office. They're they're different. They're different cooks. I I I loved making the food. Yeah. Um, when it came time to service, I tried to leave. <laughs> it's not your scene. No, I love service at certain places. It has to like I want to like like because I do pastry. So like getting the pastry out in a like. I got. I want to like the space. Yeah. I loved it at Craft. Craft is an amazing kitchen. Where is that? It's in Century City. It's it's like eleven years old. So it's fourteen years old, maybe. At the mall, it's Tom Colicchio's place. It's in the two towers uh, where CAA building used to be. Oh, the Death Star. Is that some what people they call called it? the because de- got kind of that hole in the middle. In the hole in the middle, yeah, yeah. It was in like Inception and stuff. Yeah. It's a cool building. I mean, for sure. It's um. So so craft is on the, the lower a, level. It's, it's right there up. Right by uh, what is that? They uh, got constellation. A, yeah, they you know they do like uh, the KCRW uh, uh, things after dark and stuff in there. Yeah. Um, 
look, it's a it's a Tom Colicchio restaurant. You know what Tom Colicchio is? No. Bald dude on Top Chef. Don't watch it. Don't watch it? See, I, I, I didn't watch The Bear because um, I put on the first episode... I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't, it didn't click me. with you. It didn't click. It's with all right. Me. I I got a limited time. So let's talk about craft though. Okay. Why Why do you like that place so much? It's a great kitchen. It's a, because it's, it's big. It's big. It's open. You can you can like you don't see, like in the inside, but it's just like it's built like like four team camaraderie, and like best best kitchens are like are you know about it being like in it in it to win it, hmm. and. Um, it had these pull-out drawers, which were like a nightmare from like a management perspective because they always needed to be fixed and stuff. Mm. But you would be able to have like 12 ice creams there and do these canals like right there. So you could have like three ice cream on a dish, like boom, boom, boom. And like from a pastry perspective, it was like the most like a line that you could have, but you're not like frying fish and getting sprayed in the eye, which I've done. Like I, I did that shit. I just don't want to like, it just was like, I had a I had a, a different skill set and um, it was much calmer over there. We're here in Topanga, where there's no uh, Wi-Fi service. No for me. cell service. Um, I feel like I'm in a totally another world. Uh, hospital. It took me 45 minutes to get from my house to your house. Uh, now, granted, it, it was the last like 15, 20 are driving up like a beautiful uh, state park. You know, it is gorgeous, right? And it, with funky signs, I saw two pigs that were flying. Yes. Uh, uh, sculptures. That is, that's the official thing of Topanga. Um, my oh, wife, is it? Yeah, the flying pig. I don't know. I don't know how or when. Um, but yeah, that's like the symbol of Topanga. My wife has, has no idea how it happened. It's an artist, obviously. It's like a local artist. Um, but it's, it's, it's kitschy. It's hippie. It's, it's sweet. This is a funky town. We live, I live in a town. I live in a small town in Los Angeles. Like, mm-hmm. I know that's strange to hear, especially from a kid that grew up in Van Nuys. <laughs> but um, my wife grew up here. Um, she's the youngest of four kids. Um, they, uh, her dad is um, a well-known musician in the rock band Little Feet. What? Yes. What, what instrument? Uh, guitar, um, mandolin, trumpet. How about that? Uh, he was a famous, he was a, well, not famous. Okay. He was a, well, today it's famous, but yeah, uh, he was a very busy studio musician in the oh. 1970s. Oh. Um, he's from Arkansas. Uh, hmm. He played in the state band with uh, Bill Clinton. What? Yes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> to say he lived, you know, like he's lived a charmed life. And yeah. I, I, meeting my wife was the, best thing that ever happened to me. Aww. Make me cry right now. Uh, it could have got it could have gone a lot worse. How long have you guys been together? Uh, we have been together going on 16 and my daughter is 12. So 16 years you still get emotional thinking about Oh, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, this was the best thing that ever, you know. I, 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 I you know, I love my family. I love my life. It's See, if I was Oprah, I'd make you cry <laughs> right now. And, and, and I, I don't mean this to do that to you. But I do ask this question. Yeah. Where'd you guys meet? Uh, she was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar uh, down the street from uh, the restaurant I worked at, Town Hall. It was a place called Annabelle's. And my oldest friend, Melanie, uh, who I grew up with and went to school with, was uh, had just moved up to San Francisco. And 
said I'd, I'd introduced her to her uh, now ex-boyfriend. Uh, and so she was trying to return the favor in some way. Oh. Said you should come down and meet her. And I went down and met her. When you saw her... Well, for me, first sight, but like for her, second sight. I, I don't think she... <laughs> I, I can't speak for her, but if I had to guess, she probably didn't think, you saw think her, twice. You're, you're like, I thought many times after I met her, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so you were both in San Francisco at the time. Yes. She's from here. Yes. At some point, she... I came down... You. The first time I came and visited this property was... Well, seven. Can, 2007. Okay, you say this property because this is this is the land that she grew up in. Yes, yeah, she grew up here. Um, she this, grew up. She grew up just up the hill. Um, this used to be a chicken coop. Where we're at right now. And this used to be a chicken coop in the 1960s, late 60s. Okay, first of all, I, I'm trying to describe. I, I'd like to describe where we're at. We're we're in a house that has at least three different types of floor. You've got a a, a bathroom. Which I, I love, by the way. I see I see a rock as, yes. as the sink. We have a geode sink. Which is great. A lot of tile going on there. Yeah. Different types of tile. I have tile. Um, when when uh, You should go look at the little uh, tile inlay. There's a, there's a local tile shop called uh, Topanga Art Tile. And they, they make these beautiful artistic tiles. And um, our, our uh, tile guy Seymour put in a really nice little inlay there. So, so it looks like uh, kind of modern cement. It's a Blue River stone. Oh, look at that! Yeah, I, I've done I've done most of this work on the expansion and all this sort of stuff myself. In your so. kitchen, you've got a tile that you don't like. Uh, I do. Look, look, everybody walks in and they love it, but from my perspective of cleaning the floor and all that, but the the real issue is we have to expand the kitchen. Uh, where we're sitting here in like the living room area, it's it's like wood, but it's painted white, and it's it's. It's seen a lot, which is which is why I like it. Oh, they're uh, they were um, very they're much more distressed. This was like the sh- this was like a shabby chic cottage when we right, moved in. but but it wasn't like yes. some yuppie woman. No, 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 no. Bought it at the Rose Bowl you have and to, then painted it white. No matter what, living here, unless you've spent like an extraordinary amount of money, like the hillsides come down. The like every time it rains, like, it's, it's a it's a mudslides. Uh, yeah, I mean, just Topanga has a history of fires, floods, and um, you know, natural problems. I mean, it's part yeah. of living in a canyon. Yeah. Um, but here in Topanga, nature is very you know you're you're in it more than anywhere else in Los Angeles, and that's why we're here. You know, mm-hmm. it is it is one of the wonderful things about this place is that it is wild. We had we had two goats, and in January we had two mountain lions in our yard. Oh, yep. And they came back the next day and the next, because on the third day they were on my roof, and it the mountain lions were the mountain lions. So like, and because I, they saw the goats. Yeah, and I had a small pin, and um, the mountain lion had swiped through and and actually hit one of the goats on the head. Oh. I, I built like a barn up the hill now that I have my one goat in. Um, Only one survived. Yeah, it's it was sad. It was a very expensive. Everybody, it, it, look, there's there's I see coyotes two three times a week, but I'm sure you do too. I saw a coyote in Woodland Hills in the in the Sprouts parking lot the other day. <laughs> Carrying my to-go food, and I'm like... Well, there's organic food in there. I was like, this... He's on Ventura Boulevard, my friend. (laughs) Like, I know he's probably living on the, like, you know, next to the freeway, and, like, we're we're much in their space as as anything. But, like, he was in the parking lot. Like, he was, was like, oh, I know a shortcut. You know? Like, that was... was I've lived in Los Angeles a long time, 
I never said we were, we were raising kids. I hear from people who are considering living in LA Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives or moving here. They would never raise kids here. Yeah. What would you say? I, one, I'm offended because I'm from here and I'm a good person. And like, you can, LA is like a million different neighborhoods. Pick one that you like, man. Like, I found Mendocino in Los Angeles. Like, they're, they're you know, I, I'm living a charmed life. I can promise you I'm one in a million because like, the people like my kids go to school with, their parents are having, they're having the same experience I did. Mm-hmm. Maybe, the, maybe the charm just, just sort of bleeds throughout. Um, but Topanga is also super safe, too. It's very safe. But, you know. Other than the mountain lions. Other than the mountain lions and the coyotes, it's not safe for cats. I can tell you that. <laughs> But no, but no place in LA is safe. Where Topanga. do kids play in Topanga? You know, the biggest thing you're going to run into with Topanga is not learning how to ride a bike uh, young enough because <laughs> I mean, everybody's growing up on a on a on a 45 degree angle. Right. I had to take my kid repeatedly to uh, to parking lots in the valley to get him to learn how to ride a bike. Uh, my daughter never learned, but she's she's too dramatic for it. She just <laughs> she just has always screamed the second it starts. But it's you know like, what? I I I drive all around the city. Yeah. Kids aren't riding bikes anywhere. Oh, they're, in, they're inside glued to that Fortnite, man. They're inside. Making or, them TikToks. Or when they go to college at UCLA or uh, USC. Yeah. They're using these Lime scooters oh, everywhere. Scooters the, they're not even riding bikes. What are we going to do with all those batteries? Jesus Christ, man. Oh, I hate those things so much. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so... It, it makes me feel so old. Yeah. Because on, on the... On, Next to the bike racks, yeah. are there scooters? There are scooters. Well, they were scooter kids growing up too. What do we expect? I guess so. Um, so, so where do they play in in, in Topanga? There's a so Topanga's people move here for one thing usually. That's the c word, community. Yes. Topanga. I just got done doing three days of a Christmas Carol at the Topanga Community um, House. Topanga Community Center, I think is it's it's uh-huh. the TCC, yeah. Um, and it is it's owned by the community. It's like a not for profit that owns a pretty nice piece of land that's um, for the community. Hmm. You live here, you don't live here. You can drive up there and play baseball. You can play on the playground. Um, you can rent it out. You know, and look, it's a, it's a business. It makes money in, in for the community. It, you know, mm-hmm. we uh, they put on Topanga Days. Do you know what Topanga Days is? Uh-uh. Okay, so in Memorial Day weekend, they do a music festival there. And um, on Memorial Day in the morning, they have a big parade. And they go from basically um, where the library is and, and the Pine Tree Circle um, and a bunch of cars and kids. And, you know, we have a parade and, and, you know, small town sort of stuff. But like Frodo's on the side lines and stuff. Like seriously, like you're like, oh my God, that's Frodo. So when you say you did three days there... <laughs> What were you doing for three days? My daughter was um, playing several roles. She was uh, Jacob Marley. Um, and she does four plays a year in, like, community settings. And, you know, it's volunteer-based. Um, it's either based around the elementary school or middle school um, or uh, this community house stuff. And, I mean, you're, you know, you're doing it with people that, like, are probably going to also end up becoming actors and stars because their parents are actors and stars. And uh-huh. like, you know, um, she comes by it honestly, but she's also like, you know, it's, it's her thing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I wouldn't want her to be my lawyer or anything <laughs> remotely close to that. But like 
her great grandmother was a, a rocket and oh, wow. my wife's mother was a uh, um, on bonanzas and Ben Casey shows really? and like so like uh, yeah and my dad moved to Los Angeles to become an actor and he's a writer and like hmm. she comes by it honestly like right. we're not we would never force her I'm not gonna let her do child star stuff but like I, I my dream is for her my weird dad dream is to for her to be a stand-up comedian you know mm. like I'm trying to mess her up just enough so it's like but <laughs> support her mess her up so she's funny um but it's uh it's yeah I mean she she comes by it honestly and uh she's gonna be doing this stuff and that's that's what it's that's what we're that's what we're able to like you know do with our family on on a uh, in this place because it is really focused on the arts it's really focused on creativity mm. it's really focused on um you know things that are not necessarily part of the normal los angeles experience you know it's interesting that you say that people come here for community because when I consider this the woods. When I think about when people move into the woods away from cities, yeah. it's to get away from people. It's not to be with people in an in a even more intimate way. Maybe it's just a concentration of freaks that are like, I need my community of people like me. And the, you know, but there's there's so many different things going on here, you know, like this is obviously one it's one of the best places to raise kids because you can give the the duality that that you can you know have a woodsy type experience mm -hmm. and you can have let's go downtown um my brother-in-law lived in pershing square for four or five years they, they called it uncle city and like you know it's like i i work downtown they they've gone down there they they have this whole experience it's like you drove 45 minutes up here if I want to do anything, like that's my, that's my day, man. Like, you know, like it takes me 30 minutes to go to the grocery store. Like, yeah. and 20 of that is in my town. Like, Malibu is is a big part of Topanga, you know. Um, in that there's stuff there. There's nice restaurants if you want to take your wife out. Malibu's not far, right? Um, it's your next door neighbor. Yeah, but it's not my community. That's I do. I, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm a Valley kid at heart. Also, yeah, like I am drawn that way. My my food is over there. You know, like yeah. my 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 strip mall restaurants that like I go to are there. And and Malibu is all about Val go home. No, nah, I mean, sure. I mean, what's Malibu today? Malibu's, Malibu, Malibu's not what it was when I was growing up either. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the thing, like, the thing that Malibu used to have a big blue collar population. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's, they used to, you know, you go all up and down all the old small beach communities. Santa Malibu Monica. Malibu was a lot more like what Topanga is today, right? Topanga's wealthy. But well, what I'm saying, though, is Malibu used to be more funky. Yes. More creative. Malibu used to be very funky. They didn't have sewers. No, we don't have sewers. You don't? No, we have everything septic up here. I love that. Yeah. Is um, that difficult? It hasn't caused us any problems, but it does cause people problems. You, you just call a guy. There's the guy a, yeah, you call Will Wicks, Topanga Septic. Um, he's a good guy. <laughs> Keeping it local. Keep it local. I mean, there's things that you do to manage it, like there's um, enzyme treatments and, and things like that. Look, I mean, I'm a Valley kid who learned how to 
do plumbing and uh, I, you know, for them, for people to say, I'm, I'm 38, I'm a millennial, right? Okay. And they say, we don't know how to fix anything. And it's like, man, I'd put toe to toe now. I'm a carpenter. I'm an electrician. <laughs> I can, I fix, I can run copper PVC, any, like any type of irrigation or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I've obviously like, you don't have a choice. Like, like you come home and like a water main brings, like I learned, I, I, I hired a guy I'd, I helped that and, and his dude quit on him. Mm. Right. And it was on my bathroom and he was like, you want to be my dude? And I was like, sure. And I jumped in, right. And I got a discount and I helped him and I learned how to do all, cause it's a bathroom. I learned electrical. I learned copper. I learned everything that goes into it. Yeah. Um, and everything else I've taught myself off YouTube. Is this your, your main kitchen at home? Yeah. It's pretty small, huh? It's, it's, it's surprisingly small. And also for a baker, is that the only oven that you've got? It's a poor craftsman who blames his tools. Oh, I don't, I mean, look, it's a tiny kitchen. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be bigger. We're going to, we're, I'm going to build it. And and no disrespect. Yes. That's a, of ovens. Yes. That's a badass oven. It's a good oven. Look. What what brand is that? That thing's not even, that's a Z line. I mean, you know, it's, it's more economic. I wanted to get like a more commercial one. Um, if the wife wasn't feeling, they're not pretty. Um, but dude, I used to have one of those O'Keefe Merits. Uh-huh. You know those those no. old. The, it's the one that's like in every house in East Los Angeles, like or you know, the east side of LA. It's the it's the oh. old it's the old old ones that are like you know like a vintage kind. Yeah of yeah thing. yeah from like the the 30s and and mm. stuff. Um, that's what you'd rather have here. No, that's what I used to have here, uh-huh. and I did it. I did you know. Look, I used to not. I got that during the pandemic because I was cooking at home. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, my my wife used to make most of the meals. Um, it really? wasn't, wasn't until more recently that I, I started cooking. So I, she's a good cook too. She's an amazing cook. She's probably one of my favorite cooks. Has she there. taught you a bunch of, I mean, she, she is naturally better at seasoning food than I am. And she will make oh. sure I know that. I mean, she just is. She just has, she, she has a better palate than me. I think my daughter's like real gift is being a super taster. She has like the most amazing palate. It's, it's how old is she? She's gonna, she's going on 13. At 13, she's just yeah. born with it. I mean, yeah. I, I also like, as far as like an eating partner goes, she's my favorite. Like, Do you grow your own herbs here? Yeah, I grow. I, I had a really good garden this year. Um, it gets pretty cold up here, though. So like what, we have what, a, we like I, you know, I'm in winter prep mode. Like if you went out there right now, it's like a mess. I'm like tearing up all this old stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the We got the goats because I wanted to add that element for our soil and, um, it, it, the element of their poop. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and having like a constant need of mulch, um, because it actually, it helps with the water maintenance and things like that. Hmm. Um, but when you live in a place like Topanga, the, the elements are, they're really like, they're prevalent. I mean, I know people that built their homes during the drought when it didn't rain, like at all. So literally like the entire construction process, them looking at their thing, they didn't like, and even, you know, having site surveys, all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, like the second it rained, they have a freaking river going through their house, mm-hmm. multi-million dollar homes because they didn't, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't know where the water went when they moved here. What kind of herbs did you have this summer? Uh, well, I have like things like mint and stuff like, and stuff like that. I, I grew, I grew everything this year. I grew pumpkins. I grew, um, um, uh, different types of peppers. Uh, I, I've only been growing cherry tomatoes the last few years cause I, I don't think I'm going to do it again. I think I'm going to grow all the tomatoes again. Um, I was buying heirloom tomatoes this year because of my refusal. Um, 
But I love I, I what I like personally out of a chair out of a tomato is just eating it in the garden. Yeah, I don't you know I'm not trying like it's so much easier to just eat a little sunburst in in my life. But I've been proclaiming this for two years, and my wife's like, you know, I really liked it when you grew like those big beefy heirloom tomatoes, and we had those available for the salads all the time. So mm. I'm gonna start doing that. Did your understanding of fruits and vegetables lead you to be a better weed grower, or was it the other way around? Yes. Weed is the gateway drug to gardening. Um, Yeah, I think that um, the drive to, I mean, it's, it was all hand in hand. Like while I was a sous chef in some of the best restaurants in Los Angeles, I was walking around my hillside with a headlamp on after like 14 hour days, like checking on my plants and doing stuff. And like, you know, like it was, it was an outlet for me. It was a time to, um, not be in a loud place. Um, any cook could probably identify when you're like in the most intense part of your career, the sound of the ticket machine is something you can almost hear when you're going to sleep. That, I mean, it's like just that like, and, and, Coming home after dealing with a stressful day and and being with my plants, it really was like it was my it was my meditation. It was it was my moments. And then you have all this you know all this experience with like growing something. And cannabis isn't easy to grow. And I was you know pushing it, trying to grow the best stuff. And it, it opened you know like suddenly I'm getting books about gardening and and farming and stuff like that. And I've always been like, oh, I want to be more self sufficient and stuff. You know, but that's really like that's really hard. Like it's really hard to grow enough food to support yourself. Okay, I love your neighborhood. This is this is a dream. This is a dream. Um, if you're gonna ask about pests and critters. I'm asking more about <laughs> bugs. That's, that's, yeah. So, so I get it from you that you probably don't spray a lot of sure. chemicals on your shit, right? So I told you earlier, if I ever wanted to pursue um, a seed uh, business, I would do something that was more designed to be grown in Southern California. Uh, Southern California probably has like 20 different kinds of moths or butterflies and moths and butterflies lay things on your plants. They do? Yeah, they're called eggs. And those eggs turn into a child's book, which is a horror story for me. The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> it will devastate an entire... Like, you can... I've seen a pound, multiple pound plants just eaten. Just By caterpillars. By caterpillars. These things that we love. So, they're so cute. Um, but they're not cute. They are not eat. cute. Uh, the, it, it isn't here, um, but in a in a space across the canyon, um, there's a there's a garden that I have uh, that is a giant cage, mm-hmm. and basically, after years of trying to fight the caterpillar and pick it out of my buds, or you know, you know, there was times I there's there's chemicals that you can spray. They're not bad. There's uh, it's called BT. Um, and then there's something called saponicide. Um, most commercial cannabis that's grown in the Santa Barbara region is probably treated with BT, even in a greenhouse, because it's kind of hard to keep a moth out of a greenhouse if you have ventilation and things like that. Mm. Um, but and you, and if you're lighting it up every night, right, you're kind of going to be drawing them. In. But in those areas, like there, you know, there's a lot of pesticide use too. Mm. So the caterpillar. Um, 
that I deal with the most is from the California brown oak moth. So we live in a coastal oak grove here in Topanga. I just love that you know all of this stuff. <laughs> you know the man's name that you're about to kill. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the research. He's your enemy. Um, yeah, you know that enemy, You got to right? name your enemy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so at night, uh, right about harvest time, uh, the guy, you can see him fluttering in the windows. And yeah. So there's there's two things you can do. There's a pattern of spraying that you can do, um, but I would only do that with stuff I'm trying to like like either test. It's not really like for this isn't what I'm trying to smoke all year or anything like that. Like if I'm doing seed work or like honestly, it only goes on the seed plants because you'll get mold on plants that you have seeds in really easily, um, and the caterpillars only exacerbate that. And the mm. seed, the mold the mold can actually just destroy the the product, including the seed. Like the seed Oof. will not survive as well. Um, and the, the caterpillar, um, if I stop the moth from laying its egg on the plant, then the, um, the caterpillar can't live there. But I mean, the moth gets desperate. I've seen it like laying its egg, like on a leaf that's like sticking through the cage. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a cat. I, I have like t- laser vision for these things that are like almost microscopic. I'm like, I can see a caterpillar egg, like. Like, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of, it's one of the major issues that growing them here. So when I breed plants, sometimes I notice that like this stuff smells great. It looks great. But for some reason, like out of all these plants, like the caterpillar, like the caterpillars aren't affecting it. I'll pick that one and continue doing something, whether Mm -hmm. it be a natural chemical that, that the plant produces a certain mixture of terpenes. Whatever that is, the, the even if I if I'm willing to think it's a good plant and the caterpillar is not or the moth is not like looking at that one as something that it wants to produce its uh, offspring on, then I'm going to continue to breed off that. I saw that when I got I got some lamb's bread, mm-hmm. oh, God. and it blew my mind. I love lamb's bread, and I'd been smoking for decades, yeah. and I thought that my tolerance was so messed up that I will, I'll never get that high again. Yeah. And I got that high again, yeah. and and so I kept ordering. Now that it's legal, yeah, and I could go to Weed Maps or whatever and have it delivered, and I was like. Did I screw it up? No. Why? Why isn't this getting me the same kind of high? What you got was that that lamb's bread, right? Right. And it's not even like you know. Look, it could it could even be the same cut. The skill is in the hands of the cultivator, you know. Like really, yeah. And like whatever, like whatever the perfect environment is for a plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can kind of go to the bigger like terroir question, where you know, like I'm growing in Bordeaux, right? And a seed exists for one season right so even if i take a cut off that plant i can replant it Mm -hmm. um but that seed exists for that one season that one season has a unique environmental um implication just like it does in a bottle of wine but with cannabis you have what i would call hyper vintage because it's that one seed that one season growing season that everything that the human does after the fact which means a lot really means a lot in cannabis and a lot of commercial um recreational pot today they don't take the steps that you know the people that were this was their craft 20 years ago did so the the, everything you do after and curing it and you know 
having everything lead up to a good cure and a clean cure and not having to do things like remediation, which is something that they do now because the testing for yeast and mold and all that stuff is really hard. It's a hard loop to jump through. Mm -hmm. Um, And when your money's on the line, you're going to make sure that you pass your tests. Mm -hmm. Um, So with, with cannabis and this one plant, this one seed, this one year, I'm able to create something as a chef, which is like super in line with everything that I love about Food, wine, whiskey, rum, like there is the capture of a moment, a season, and it's put into a bottle, it's put into a jar. And that uniqueness can't really be redone. It can't be recaptured. Um, and I can, I can explain this table side because of the skill set I have as a chef. And I can take people to that hillside in Mendocino or in Topanga and I can put them there and I can give them the experience that is different and it's familiar all at the same time because it exists in the world that they've already been to and that they have paid for countless times. Let's end with this. Where can we eat your food And where can we smoke your weed? Well, neither of those things are truly possible right now. We have to to somehow find your house. I'm going to hook you up with my buddy Jack. I think he'd be a great interview for you. I would love that. I mean, if you want to meet more chefs and stuff like that. I I just want to meet cool people. I I know, but like chefs... First things first, chefs are cool people. I'm sure they are. You know, like especially chefs that, that live outside a little bit. You know, my, my friends all have found Are a way. Are you deflecting my question? <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, all right. Maybe, the, maybe the answer is you don't cook for people anymore. I don't cook for people anymore. You want to come to my house and, and have breakfast okay. with me and my family? So, so you've, got <laughs> nothing, you've got nothing to hype. You've got nothing to... Currently, I, I can't say like, okay, so in the coming year or two, perhaps, I will be opening a lounge on the Sunset Strip in West Hollywood. There's a lot of shit to get through before then. Which is ridiculous. So in We two, legalized this. In stuff. 2018, end of 2018, my sister and I and our company, uh, one of the licenses, which we just consulted on. I mean, like, this was like a shot in the dark in, in four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. And I told you my sister's a good writer. My mm-hmm. sister can write an application for a license like you have no idea. She <laughs> crushes it. Like, it is, it is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and we... Through, uh, through that, we won. We won one of these 16 coveted licenses to open an on-site consumption lounge in West Hollywood. There's only 16 in WeHo. Now there's going to be only like eight, but who knows what will even open. Right. There's so much. There's so much. that first one opened, and it didn't seem like another Lowell, one. It became Lowell, and then it became... Um, Lowell Farms. Lowell Farms. Uh, and then it became... But, but there, my point is... OG Cannabis Cafe. Because Lowell got in trouble for selling weed out the back door. Did they? Yeah. Nobody, everybody does it. What? Yes. But you ruin your thing if yeah, you do that. They're not, they weren't making enough money? They're not making... Anybody who follows the rule in the cannabis industry today is mm-hmm. going out of business. And then everybody else is also going out of business. <laughs> But weren't they renting bongs for like $50 an hour? They, oh, I mean, OG Cannabis Cafe was a profitable, I think it was a profitable, Lowell was, was making bad on their farm stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, look, I, 
everybody's got a, a, a foot in both markets. Yeah. You, I mean, the, if you don't, you didn't learn the lessons of the last two decades. Right. Because there is no, there's no pride in the bread line. You, you shouldn't be, you can't right. hold, you can't hold your head up there. And, and no disrespect to them. Yeah. But you're going to make better food. No, without a doubt. And it's not, it's not just the food. It's, it's, it, it comes from an understanding of how to really integrate this product, like the flowery language I just used. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I give the consumer that time that they know they can have with this product mm-hmm. and I can run a business simultaneously that is also profitable. Yes. Because those are the two things that, that have to happen at the same time for me to be involved. It has to be great. It has to be like familiar mm-hmm. yet new, but it also has to make money. Somewhere in West Hollywood. I won't give away your spot. Okay. Uh, Chef Jagger, Chef Holden Jagger. Chef Holden Jagger. <laughs> Is gonna be able to open up a place where I can eat your food and smoke your weed. That that is the dream. Yes, that is the dream. And and it sucks that it that it's only really happening in WeHo and not in LA City. Yeah, LA's shit. Or even Topanga. LA shouldn't what a have perfect been. place. Well, LA. I don't know. I didn't even follow up on it, but you know, most of the people I know were like that that live in the county that voted on this, even having a county sales. Like they voted no against it, and they you know. Are just like we, there's this, they were like oh it's too many taxes. There's also right. like there's all it's 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 all silly. There's but you'd rather have a, a place here, right? I would. I'd rather the city of Los Angeles have opened this up because the city of LA is like really not doing their best mm-hmm. because these things are happening. They're happening in unsafe ways. They're happening every night of the week. That's right. And and they're not getting a dime out of it. That's right. And that is. It's also in like neighborhoods. It's in like there's, there's just no like it, we're not building a business, right? You know, part of part of the reason I stopped doing all the dinners in people's homes is because it just felt like this like I'm doing the same. I'm educating again and again and again, and I felt like I was in like a, a you know a hamster wheel, like <laughs> not not actually building. And even today, this many years later, like I we there's still there's nothing in Vegas. There's there's nothing that's like truly a a model. That you can say, this is how you make money selling weed and food and and a good time. Hmm. There's nobody that knows that 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 knows that that code is crackable, truly, except for the people that ran the OG Cannabis Cafe for a little while, and I think they did pretty good. But they were also the only horse in town, or show in town. And you are going to show them the way. <laughs> I hope so. Yes, sir. Well, God bless you. Thank you, Chef. Thank you for having me in your home. My pleasure. And we will see you in a couple years. All right. All right, then. You want to meet the goat? How great was Chef Jagger? You know who we'd give mouth to mouth to after a mountain lion attack? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, we're so grateful for what you've produced this year. Take it all, both of you. So shout out to our Patreons. Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinky, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, and Ben from Down Under. Want to support this fine podcast that features beautiful souls like this chef? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. We're also uh, always on the lookout for cool guests. 
So if you know someone who lives in a neighborhood in LA, not a city, and has a story to tell or an expertise to teach us about, have them write me at busblog at gmail.com. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you got to do is PayPal or Venmo, 25 bucks or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website forever. Just send your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us but the caterpillars ate your crop? You can still help. Post your favorite episodes on your Facebook. Oh my God, post two. Tweet something nice about this. Anytime you see me tweet an episode, retweet it. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell your friends how Here in LA is spelled and that it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and even Spotify. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who also appreciates Wolf Mother, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Oregon and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and people everywhere who are just trying to do that wholesome, pure, unique thing for mankind. Keep Topanga weird!